He's calling you to evangelize. And it is not up to you to set the limit on where God will send you. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do you convert the church? Hey, John. Ty, it's good to be here with you. You know, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Is it, um, so it was 116 degrees down here in the, uh, the southern regions of the northernmost part of Iowa. Was it? Was it that hot up there in Sioux Falls? Um, yeah. I don't know if it, I didn't check the temperature. I went outside to do some yard stuff, and I just—it was a big nope. <laughs> you just stop. It's the kind of hot where I go outside and I immediately have to change my shirt. Like it's just—it's like a five t-shirt kind of day. Yeah, I know that <laughs> my lawn just today alone, with the heat and humidity, grew probably like an inch. Yeah, it's wild. You you can almost see it happen. I watered some of, of my wife's flowers, and they went from being all droopy and sad to, like, perked up and happy. They loved it. But I did not. I wilted in that environment, but they thrived. So that's wonderful. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think we should give a shout-out today to uh, Father Travis Karate. I, he's getting a lot of shout-outs, but we, we kind of razzed him a couple episodes ago, and then he was finally on, and he did a great job. We, we really appreciate it. Guys, if you enjoyed... Hearing one of our priests, Father Travis Karate, the vocations director for the Diocese of Sioux City. For We just want to thank him for being on the show. If you enjoyed that, you know, we're, let us know what other priests you'd like to hear from. Send their names our way. We'll try and track them down. And uh, we really do want to hear, have our priests' voices represented in this conversation that we're having. I'll say that, one, thank you for being on the show. But more importantly, thank you for being a priest. Oh, like amen. That, it's such a, such a big call to answer and he did it you know and to, mm-hmm. to any priest you know anytime i see that roman collar i just have the most respect for that priest um doing the things that most of us don't want to do or didn't answer the call or just didn't get called to mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. shout out father yeah Grant. they they do have a so he runs a podcast with Father Shane Demon, and it's excellent. It's Outcast Catholic. Look it up. We'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes. But I do remember him specifically on episode. It was he was talking about how he hears some of the older priests, the the state the church is in now. Some of the older priests are saying, "Well, I didn't really sign up for this and where the church is at now." And he's very good at saying, "I did sign up for this. I knew the church was in in the state that it is in today." with its need for evangelization, and I did sign up for it. I signed up for late nights. I signed up for long hours. I signed up to pray hard and to celebrate the Mass and bring people into heaven with me. So, yeah, amen. Amen to that, Ty. Uh, as we dive into today's topic, I do want to... Kind of where this this topic came from for me was a blog post that I was reading from... It's a ministry called Blessed Is She. They kind of are well known for putting out this week or yearly planner and um, my wife loves it it's it's really big women's ministry but it, it allows them to kind of plan their year but it also incorporates the liturgical year 
into the calendar. Anyway, my, my wife wants one every year, but because I've bought a few of their products over the years, I, I get their blog posts every once in a while. And this one struck me. It was called um, Saints Who Converted Later in Life. I'll put a link in the show notes. So uh, that piqued my interest because um, I'm still waiting to be converted and become a saint. <laughs> so anyway, I, I started reading it. And in this, in this story, she, in, in this blog post, they tell the story of Saint Olga, who was a Viking queen who became a Christian. So that in itself is fascinating and just like piques your interest, makes you want to read on more. But, you know, you read about her life. St. Olga, as a Viking queen, was initially, I mean, she was very cunning, right? And specifically in the process of butchering her enemies. (laughs) That's why she became so successful because she was dominant. She was a force of nature. But eventually at some point in her life, a little later on, somewhere between her 30s and 60s, and, you know, they don't, They didn't track time back then quite as well, but um, she eventually visits Constantinople, which we know is the kind of where we get the Edict of Milan. It's where Christianity was legalized. Um, She visits Constantinople and she converts. And as she goes on into life, not her her son who takes over the throne from her, but her grandson who takes over the throne eventually um, helps to really bring Christianity to um, the the area of the world that is the Ukraine, Belarus, uh, and Russia. So Christianity, as as it exists there, can thank Saint Olga for becoming Christian and then being that person who really. Um, for her grandson was the reason he stayed and then converted kind of the kingdom to be Christian as well. And I just thought that was such an epic story. And and it prompted for me kind of this thought of um, this desire we have a lot of times to convert the church and to convert people. But if we first want to, if we want to convert the church, if we want to convert people, we must first convert ourselves, right? We must first be converted. Um, and, and in more of a practical way, like you can't always... Sometimes conversions just happen or they're kind of fostered for you. The way I like to think about this, though, is I'm assuming most of the people listening to this podcast are converted. (laughs) But if we want to reform the church, right, that's a little more intentional. Then we must first reform ourselves. And I feel like self-reformation is is something we can more intentionally do with our lives and need to continually do if we want to continue to build and bring fruit for the kingdom. And this is something that has just been true, you know, and, and we're really good. I'm really good. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm really good at pointing out the flaws in the church. And uh, and so I, it, it was a good reminder for me that like, if I want to reform the church, I have to first reform myself. And this is this has always been true. And, and in the case of all the saints, it seems like there's these giants who reformed the church at different times in the world. And uh, they all first had to reform themselves. They all first had to be converted before they could become these saints that the world needed. And I think, you know, of, of St. Ignatius, you know, who was converted sometime around his 30th year, right? And he was always after this worldly glory, right? He was going to be a soldier. And he ends up getting injured and then going through this process of convalescence where he's spending a lot of time with his mind and with his heart and and reading stories of epic warriors, reading stories of the saints, eventually realizes that his heart desires a life like the saints. And he's converted and and over time becomes this great spiritual master for the church to the point where the, the Jesuits, right? This is the order that is founded based on, you know, his life and kind of the rubrics that he set in place. St. Francis, another giant in our church that we celebrate 
also wanted this worldly glory, wanted to be a soldier, ends up converting and honestly being <laughs> inspired this beautiful poetry, wrote these beautiful poems, songs, a deep love for creation, uh, but finds this order, this order itself, right? The the Franciscans as we know them today, the way they started the their order, the way he started the order, he didn't say, I'm going to start an order, I'm going to call them the Franciscans. Good name, right? No, they, he called them the penitents. Their big thing was repentance, recognizing I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. So they were really, really set on repentance as a way of life, penance as a way of life. And it's out of that then that the fruit flowed. We look at St. Augustine, right? Another person with his confessions that has left a definite mark on the church. But St. Augustine, the dude just wanted to party. And it's not until he's converted that then he starts to shape the church. And we've got other saints that are maybe a little less known, don't have such a broad, you know, immediate broad impact as the others did. But St. Mary of Egypt, right? She's another one and indulged in lust just for the sheer enjoyment of it. But she has this deep conversion experience and goes out into the desert Right? And now she's a saint who can give hope to all those that are enslaved by their lust. So again, if you want to reform the church, you first have to reform yourself. And you might be thinking too, well, you know, those were saints who led a very clear life of sin. And then had this really stark contrast to that where they were converted. Right, but what what about you know me? I'm I'm pretty devout. I'm pretty intentional, right? And we may find ourselves more in that category. And I want us to know that we still need reformation. We still need conversion in our lives. We look at Saint John Henry Newman, right? He didn't convert until he was 44. What was he before that? An Anglican priest and a very devout one. Sounds like a very good one. A very prolific writer, but he encounters the church fathers and he's converted by their writings, looking at the church as it was in its foundations, in its inception, right? So we look at ourselves. Maybe like St. John Henry Newman, there are church teachings that we struggle with, you know, and maybe because of that, we tend to talk around it or talk it down or whatever it might be, you know, or maybe I would imagine constantly belittling the Pope. I can imagine John Henry Newman before his conversion being like, oh, that Pope, that papacy, that's such a crock. Well, how many times do we or our friends or our parents or our parishioners come to us and they're like, oh, Pope Francis said blank, right? Oh, I wish he was like Pope Benedict. You know, it's just, you know, we have these ways where we also need to be converted and and live with the love. St. Paul, another one. St. Paul himself says in scripture that his conscience is clear. His conscience is clean because even before his conversion, he was a devout Pharisee. He He just didn't know any better, right? He was convinced of his righteousness. And so this man who becomes the best, like the evangelist to the evangelists, he's responsible for the first Christian martyr, for the first death of the Christian people, which is uh, St. Stephen, right? So he, he consented to that. Like he was the guy that people laid their cloaks at his feet. He wanted St. Stephen to be killed for his faith in Jesus. Well, then St. Paul meets Stephen, right? And he's converted. But all the while along being 100% um, who he preached to be, right? He, he walked the walk to what he knew. And so we may find ourselves in that where maybe we're not killing others, but are we killing them with our words or actions? 
right? Gossip, sarcasm. So we all have these areas where we need to be reformed, and it is good for us to be reminded of that. You know, and, and when we are reformed, when we are converted, reconverted, it has a profound effect in the community and in the church. In, in all these conversions, right, all these saints, again, their conversion preceded the reform effect they had in the church. And so for the rest of this, this episode, I just want us to consider how God is calling us deeper, how he, is, how he is calling us to be reformed and more conformed to his will, right? So I, I have three habits that they're, they're, they're nothing new, you know, but if, if sometimes, I, you know, I get in a rhythm sometimes where I get a little lazy with my prayer or I get a little lazy with my habits, you know, and, and then other things around me start to suffer. They start to fall apart. I get grumpy, right? It affects my family. I get grumpy and it affects my, my conversations with my coworkers. So I just want to revisit these three habits because, again, everything we're doing here as Catholic ministry professionals, its foundation, its source, its lifeblood, its heartbeat is Jesus Christ. And so these three habits are all meant to help to tie us back into that rhythm of relationship with Jesus. Amen? So the first one is daily scripture. And, and I've, I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it again. You need to be in your Bible. You need to read Scripture. You need to encounter the Scriptures on a daily basis. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, just in passing, just, just listening to um, your Bible and your podcast. I mean sitting with them and mentally praying with them, having real time where you're, you're not just reading, but you're reflecting on them. What do these words say? What is Jesus trying to say to me in them? It's very intentional time spent with the Lord, all right? And you, you, whether you read one chapter a day and you do that, whether you look at the daily mass readings, you need to have a rhythm for just constantly encountering Jesus's voice through the scriptures, especially the gospels, because everything in the Old Testament, it's pointing towards the gospels and everything that that's after the gospels, right? The rest of the New Testament is just reflecting on what the content of the gospels is, you know, related to the life of Jesus. So to really steep yourself in the gospel stories of Jesus Christ and his and his life. I'm going to link in an article that I have found to be absolutely, um, it, it opened the door for me a little bit to praying in this way and feeling really comfortable in it. Uh, the, the article is Prayer, A Personal Response to God's Presence, it's by Father Armand Nigro, and uh, I'll link that in the bottom. But I really encourage all of you, it's just a few pages long. If, you've, if you're looking for kind of a new way to pray, if you're looking to reinvigorate yourself, it's a beautiful prayer, and it's, it's, or it's a beautiful article. It's inspiring, but also very practical as far as hearing God's voice um, and, and recognizing his presence in our lives, especially through Scripture. One thing you said, and we say this on numerous other podcasts is intentional prayer, intentional, you know, scripture reading intentionality is huge. So here's what I will also say. I love father Mike Schmitz Bible in a year. Mm -hmm. He's in his second year. He's doing catechism in a year. That's awesome. You should still do that, but you should still also have like Lectio, Lectio Divina where it's just you, your Bible and God, you don't need to listen mm -hmm. or follow along let the Holy Spirit talk to you, right? Because here's here's generally what happens, and it 
I've, I see this more with Protestant Christians than I do with Catholic Christians because Catholics, I'm sorry, you don't read your Bibles enough. <laughs> but it's Protestant true. Christians will take studying of the Bible as worship, right? So why do I need to go to church? I've been, I've been studying the Bible. I've been reading my Bible. Why do I got to go to church? Well, as Catholics, it's easy because it's, it's our participation in the celebration of the Mass, Right, it's in that Thanksgiving of Jesus giving up His body, literally called the Eucharist, is Thanksgiving. So, being intentional with Scripture is so important. You know, I love reading the Bible. I love studying. You know, I I've read and I've studied Revelations probably a dozen times, and I could I could sit here and study Revelations another dozen times, front to back. Like, I just love it, but that's not efficacious in my spiritual battle, right? That's not efficacious in me developing a relationship with God. That's just reading and understanding or trying to understand the, the apocalypse of John. But when I pick out a scripture reading, whether that's intentionally picking out a daily reading or I'm, you know, randomly selecting a scripture verse and just saying, God, where are you leading me? What do you, what do you want me to know? Or how do you want me to know you better? That's different than actually studying scripture for the sake of studying scripture. So intentionality is huge there. Absolutely. And my kind of hot take on this too is people who read devotionals and spend more time on those than on the actual Bible. I, I think you're you're missing a key thing when you're trusting someone else to tell you what Jesus is saying to your heart, right? Obviously, yes, we need the church to to guide and inform the interpretation of Scripture for the whole church. But when it comes to what is Jesus saying to you today, it's more important to spend the time to actually hear what God is saying to you versus some devotional that somebody else wrote a year ago so it would be available today to you about this is what God is saying. It's just more important for you to spend that time to hear God than to read some devotional. And so that's kind of my hot take on that too is Scripture is more important than your devotional. So so you need to learn to, to pray using that, that Scripture. Well, not this last week. I think it was the week before the scripture, one of the scripture readings was um, about how God is not in the storm. He's not in the earthquake. He's in the quiet. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's waiting for us to silence ourselves so that he could speak into our lives. Amen. Amen. Uh, this next habit is the daily examine. And this, this is one I, I do in various different forms throughout life and sometimes I forget to do it because I'm you know I'm a dad with three really young kids so I'm exhausted and I fall asleep fast <laughs> but at the end of the day or some point through your day doing a, the examine which is a saint it's an it's a prayer from Saint Ignatius he kind of um, coined it through the Jesuits it's an Ignatian prayer um, but it's got five steps you can do modified versions of it but I'm gonna just walk through the five steps traditionally with the daily examine and again if you google it you'll find ten different versions of it um, but those five steps are the, to first give thanksgiving, right? Um, 
Thanksgiving. You 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 begin by giving thanks to God for all the th- the things you're grateful for today. And this is this is really important because a lot of times when we pray, what do we want to do? Well, Jesus, I need this. Or Jesus, I'm such a sinner. Right? We start with either I need this or I'm so sorry, like I'm the worst. Both of which are focused on yourself. And so starting with Thanksgiving actually starts with God and the priority of like, God, you're awesome. You're so good. Thank you. These gifts come from you. It orients you in, a, in the right kind of way towards God. So starting with Thanksgiving, the next one is really to ask for the Spirit because, you know, Jesus tells us, right, we can't do anything without God. So I need the Spirit to be with me because as I do this exam, I'm going to review my day and I want to do it with God opening the day for me, helping me to understand it, right? Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Please send your Holy Spirit as I review my day. So the next part is reviewing your day. And and I think, you know, review the times God was with you, but also we have to review our failures. You know, we need the Holy Spirit for this um, to understand, like, where, where, God, did you invite me that I did not go? Where did I ignore your promptings, Lord? So that third step review. The fourth one, asking for forgiveness. If you recognize that God called you to something and you said no, you need to ask forgiveness. You're just repenting. It's an, And you can say a simple act of contrition. You can just keep it really simple and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I recognize you were here and I didn't meet you there. And then that fifth step is praying for your next day. Because once you recognize your failures, you you want to plan ahead for the next day, right? If So we're not building vice, we're instead building virtue. And, and this is especially helpful if the failures, as we're reviewing it, we're realizing the same thing is happening. So we want to identify that and then modify our day to honor God and to be able to more more clearly meet him where he's calling us to go. So a, a simple one for me in my mind or that pops to my head is, if you recognize, wow, I, I've been gossiping, and I so tomorrow I'm going to stop gossiping uh, about my pastor, about parishioners, about my coworkers, whatever it might be. Um, but it might but it might not be enough to just say I'm going to stop gossiping. I mean to I may need to take it one step further because maybe when I really get caught up in gossip is right after the team meeting. I'm going to go refill my coffee cup, and two or three other of the team members do that, and then we end up gossiping for ten or twenty minutes or whatever it is before going back to work. So maybe what I actually need to adjust for tomorrow is instead of getting my coffee right after the team meeting because I can't help getting sucked into the the gossip, maybe what I need to do is either get a bigger mug so I don't run out in my meeting or I need to wait an extra 10, 20, 30 minutes before getting that next cup so that I can just avoid that situation altogether. Or just not show up to the meeting. That's that's a good a way to have world. a good meeting. Not even show up. So you should go back to our last episode about having good meetings. <laughs> and review those. <laughs> review those. <laughs> but so anyway, this exam it it doesn't necessarily have to be this official process. Uh, but but this the exam does give you a really solid framework to operate in, right? It, it starts with that gratitude. It prioritizes God in his His rightful place. And it also helps your you to solidify your identity in relation to him because you're not first and foremost just the things you need for him or um, you know, the, the, your sins. You're not just a, you're not a sinful person first and foremost. 
No, you are a son and daughter of the living God, and, and that reality should drive us first to gratitude. Then it recognizes, right, that our, we have a real need for God. And that's, then we address our sins. And then knowing we're children of God, that he desires us, he gives us this forgiveness, and he still wants us in the battle, then we arm ourselves for the next day. So it's, it's really just a solid way to do that. It doesn't have to take 20 minutes. You know, you can take five minutes to do it usually. Um, but again, this as a habit can be a great way to continually reform yourself, almost like a mini retreat just in the context of your day. And then our, our third habit that's worth really um, honing in on is going to confession monthly. It's a sacrament. The grace is real, right? It's one thing to pray about and ask for forgiveness in the context of my daily prayer. It's another one to go to the sacrament, right? This is something that Jesus gave us so that he might encounter us in a very real way, with his love that we might experience the way he works in our lives. And even when we don't feel forgiven or have any profound emotional response, it works. This has been profound for me in my life with monthly confession because I know a lot of what the church teaches and I'm still a big fat sinner anyway. And so I know that one of the things the devil does for me is he plays with my understanding of my culpability for my sins. Right? I know a lot of what the church teaches, so I have a high level of culpability when I screw up. And so I, I just don't, I can't live with that constantly in my brain and bouncing around and like on my shoulders. I need the sacrament to free me from my sins. I need it to free me from myself in a lot of ways. And so I can make that list, I can keep that list going, and I can truly go in and whether I feel forgiven or not, whether whether there's, you know, Father is some eloquent, <laughs> Father's not always eloquent in the confessional. One time he, what did he tell me? Well, I really encourage you to be kind to people. It's like, thanks, Father, <laughs> for that profound insight. Let's get on to absolution, right? But either way, when Padre says the words of absolution, I am set free, and it's not dependent on anything else, I come to it, I say my sins, I am truly contrite, I do my penance, and I'm forgiven. Right, and that is just the beautiful thing about confession. And if if you don't have a regular habit of going, I really encourage you to. And there, there's a practical reality too of bringing the same sins to confession has an effect where suddenly you're you're a little embarrassed you're bringing them, and maybe you try a little harder practically to avoid them so you don't have to confess them in the future. So it, it's just another one of those habits that both spiritually but practically as well helps you to be reformed, become a holier and more virtuous person so that you can become the saint the world needs today. Mm, yes. Needed you needed you yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, no, when you mentioned Father not always being eloquent in one of my confessions, because I struggle with, like, just anger. Like, just that. Yep. I... You agreed a little too quickly. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, no, explain. Please explain. I want to understand. So I, I always confess, like I've, I'm short-tempered, you know, I, I don't always react with the, the most loving words. And Father, I I won't say his name, but his response to me was, well, Ty, have you ever just thought about not doing that? <laughs> you know what, Father? That is a great, great tip. I will try not. When I'm close to sinning, I'll try not to. <laughs> yeah, because I was, yeah, what he said to me 
well, I'd like to encourage you to be more kind. My first thought was, yeah, no blank. <laughs> yeah, because usually I'm trying to be a jerk on purpose. Right. Like, that's why I'm here. <laughs> oh, funny. That's, it's funny. But the grace is real. The grace is real, man. And the Here, forgiveness is real. I, I will throw out one other thing as a bonus that we should do. Sure. Get a spiritual director or a battle buddy that you can actually have those conversations with. Because what you're going to notice is the devil loves to divide and conquer. Why do you think you don't like to go to confession? Because you're confiding in Persona Christi, the guy that's literally in Persona Christi, excuse me, mm-hmm. in the place of Jesus. So if he can get you away, right, you're that one lost sheep. Why do you think that parable is so profound? The devil wants to isolate you, feed lies to you, and then hopefully you start to believe those lies and you walk away from the church. So that is super important to have either a battle buddy, a uh, a church group, right, or a spiritual director, or all three. But you got to do something outside of just yourself to be able to consistently reform yourself or, um, you know, we talk about conversion all the time. I love to talk about my reversion because I joined the church and then I became just your standard Catholic. Go to mass, you know, when you feel like it, um, go to confession once a year, but you really didn't get anything out. Like you just went to your, your Catholic church. You weren't actually becoming and living out your Catholic faith. And it wasn't until I had a reversion to the faith that that happened. So I think with that, we go into our next segment of The Devil's Advocate. Dun, dun. You know, John, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm not out here to convert the whole church or anybody else. I just want to show up, do what is on my job description, and then go home. Is that too much to ask? Oh man, that really grinds my gears, man. <laughs> no, I, you know, actually, on some level, on some level, I think that's that's fair, in the sense of um, God puts you where you're supposed to be, so that you can you can convert people there. And actually, I think Father Crotty said that on our last episode. You you had mentioned that earlier, Ty, where. Or maybe Brooke mentioned that to me. I get my work wife and my home wife confused all the time. But <laughs> but it, he mentioned that on our last podcast where we need to start at home, right? First you start with yourself, and then you move on to your, your home community, right? You convert, you try to work in that community. And then maybe if you've got time, you move on to the next level, and maybe the diocesan level, and maybe if you've got time you're in the community, right? You, you've got these concentric circles that move outward. But it starts at home. So on some level, I understand that that feeling, that sentiment of I'm just trying to do my job. But I do believe that God is calling you to holiness. He's calling you to evangelize. And it is not up to you to set the limit on where God will send you. Because I have a feeling the disciples felt the same way. Like they were meant to be in Jerusalem. That's where like their home base was. 
but then from there they were sent out. So it's very limiting just to say, I'm only here to do this and I'm just here to do a job. But this is the Lord's work and you need to respond to where he calls you to. And that first response is in your own heart and soul, which says, yes, Lord, I will do as you ask. Lord, make me a saint because you are called to holiness. You are called to sanctity. You are called to be the saint the world needs. And it might grow from there. You never know what the reverberating effects of your work will be. But not to let that be a limiting thing. And if that sentiment, right, I'm not trying to convert the whole church, is really just a statement about yourself and how you don't want to go as deep as the Lord is trying to lead you, then that's an issue. Yeah. Get to the place in your faith where you can actually say, here I am, Lord. Amen. All right. So let's move on to some actionable steps for today. And our actionable steps, it's really simple. It's just those three things we went over before, those habits. If you if you find yourself getting a little lazy in prayer, if you feel yourself slacking off, I, I want you to really lean into one of these habits and start building that one. But pick one of those three habits, daily scripture reading, um, the daily examine, or monthly confession. Start putting it on your calendar so you've got a little more accountability. And at, like Ty was saying, find a, find a, what, a battle buddy? Is that what you said? Yep. Find a battle buddy. And find your St. Olga. Find your St. Oh, oh my goodness. She was terrifying. Everybody read that article. <laughs> but find your battle buddy and, and ask them to hold you accountable. You need it. I need it. I'm going to talk to Ty about it later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that they can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. And also give us some feedback, either submit an honest review on your podcast app or email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.